0: Howdy y'all, welcome back to the Midwife in My Pocket podcast. I'm your host as always, Zoe, and welcome to another episode. Um, Today is going to be the second part of the pain relief series that I did last week. Um, So that was where we discussed like your non-pharmacological pain relief methods and what to expect when you use them and the outcome for you and baby. Um, this week is going to be all about the very opposite of that, and it's going to be about pharmacological medication. So think of things like your epidurals, um, your nitrous gas, and opioids. So yeah, that's going to be the bulk of today. It's going to be a pretty hefty episode. So apologies if um, you know it's really quite jam packed. There's a lot of content to get through. Um, I'll try and keep it as fun and lighthearted as I can and as interesting as I can, um, as opposed to just going off policies and procedures, because I don't think that's fun for anyone. Um, Personally, I hate it. (laughs) So I'll tell you guys the important bits and we'll just try and get through it one step at a time. Um, So I guess I'll get straight into it. I want to thank you guys for all of your support of this podcast so far. If you do enjoy um, listening and tuning in every week, please leave a rate and a review. It really supports um, my journey (laughs) and it really helps my brand to grow and evolve. So pretty, pretty please leave some feedback. I'd love to hear from you. And I guess we'll just get straight into it. Um, So I wanna start by saying that obviously pain relief isn't for everyone. And if it isn't, that's okay. If it is for you, um, I just want to make sure you guys are aware that there is no shame in doing what is best for you in a time that is quite stressful, quite full on, quite overwhelming. Um, which is you know labor and birth. So I just want to say that no matter what type of pain relief you choose, or no matter what type of birth you have, there is no shame. In doing what is best for you on the day. Um, It might not be a part of your plan. It might not be something that you envisioned. Like for example, I know a lot of women that go through labor and when I ask them what their pain relief options are or what their preferences are, they always usually say, I'd like to avoid an epidural if I can, which is cool. Like I get that. And then, you know, when they're progressing and they're starting to think more and more about that epidural because the labor's getting harder and harder with every contraction. There's almost like this sense of shame or guilt associated with it when they, you know, they break down, they say they want the epidural and they need it to progress. And once they get the epidural and they're comfortable and happy... Sometimes it's a big feeling of relief, like it's incredible to just watch the stress drain from these people, but it can also be almost like a disappointment sometimes when I speak to women and, you know, I say like, you know, how do you feel now that you've gotten your epidural and they always, or not always, but most of them sometimes will be like, oh, you know, like... I wish I didn't get it, but like, I'm so much happier now, but like, you know, I'm so disappointed in myself. And it's like, what for? You're literally doing one of the hardest things in the world. Like, what have you got to be disappointed about? Um, So I just want to, you know, make sure that you guys are aware that there is no shame associated with pain relief. There's no guilt, no need to be disappointed. Um, Yeah, that's just my little piece (laughs) to say. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's it's there for a reason, essentially. We know that birth is a painful, hard time. Um, So you've got the pain relief there. We're really lucky with modern medicine. Why not use it? Um, So I guess the other part of that is being educated on your choices to make an informed decision um, is really, really important. So that's hence the reasoning behind this podcast and um, the midwife in my pocket Instagram page in general. Like it's all about informing you with the best education possible to provide you with, I guess, an answer or the ability and the confidence to be able to make a decision that's best for you and your baby on the day, because you can never know too much. Um, and I think it's important to make sure that even though it might be scary talking about birth and pain and labor, it's, a really good tool to get into educating yourself as best as you possibly can. It's a really good way to get yourself in a good headspace and give you that sense of control and preparedness for the day, no matter what gets thrown at you. Um, So please make sure you do your research and choose, I guess, a birth plan that'll be best for you. So instead of doing something that you think other people will like, do whatever appeals to you. And appeals to your individual experience because, you know, you need to be in the best headspace for you and your baby on the day. And that's where I come in to help you get there. (laughs) So I guess we'll get straight into it and we'll work our way up the ladder. So with pain relief, there's always sort of this um, hierarchy, I guess that you can take to get to the highest level of pain relief possible, which is an epidural. So we start with our non-pharmacological methods, um, which I spoke about in episode one, and then we work our way up into the pharmacological methods if they appeal to you. So the lowest on that rung is probably in nitrous oxide. So what that is, is it's probably more commonly known as the gas. Um and it's basically nitrous oxide and oxygen. And the benefits of it are it's able to provide you with a pretty mild analgesia, um, a little bit of mild sedation. It's very minimal in its toxicity and it's quite fast acting and it gets out of your system pretty quickly as well. So whilst it doesn't change the pain you're experiencing and it doesn't really change the contractions, like that all stays the same. Um it's a really effective way to relax yourself and relax your body, provide you with something else to focus on, and just get you in a good headspace um, if you are contracting well. So it just helps with that relaxation, allows you to breathe and give you a little bit of an altered sensation. So it can make you feel really quite woozy, um, really quite, it's like happy gas, essentially. Makes you feel a little bit giggly, makes you feel a little, like if I was to take it, it would make me giggly, it would make me really chill, (laughs) really relaxed, and um, yeah, it just gets you in a different headspace to what you would be normally. Um, And it works really quite well. We're able to turn it up and down, depending on what your ideal analgesia level would be on the day. Um, But we usually, yeah, start you on the lowest rung and then work your way up to the highest. And then once it's not working very well for you anymore or it's starting to, you know, be a bit counterproductive like you get dizzy or sick or that sort of thing that's when we would look at either stopping it and changing to something else or we would turn it down and you know work with whatever we can um, that's available to us so unfortunately whilst it is really good at providing you with a different sort of headspace um, it can as I said make you feel really quite dizzy a bit vomity, a bit nauseated, Um, headaches, that sort of thing can also make you really quite disorientated, which I know a lot of people don't particularly like. Um, This disorientation can lead to a bit of claustrophobia and it can be, yeah, just not really nice. (laughs) And if we do get to a toxicity, um, like a toxic level where we've turned it up way too much or it's too high for you, it can cause a bit of respiratory depression, which is where your breathing slows right down and the amount of oxygen in your system isn't able to circulate. Um, But there's no real known fetal or neonatal effects, which is why it is such a, um, you know, popular choice in labor I guess it's because it's got no effects on baby that we know of um and it is really quite effective if you are wanting to stay mobile keep yourself moving and stay in control of your contractions so if you feel like you've already got a really good handle on them but you just want something to take the edge off and you want to focus on your breathing a little bit more that's where the gas really comes into play and it can be really great at doing that um So personally, it's one of my favorite things to use because I think it just gets women in this headspace um, when they are contracting really well and they're coping really well with the contractions. Sometimes they can just be a little bit too strong and they need something to take that edge off. That's where this comes really, um, really handy and works really well. So if it's something that you're into, highly recommend you discuss this with your nurse midwife or your midwife on the day. Um, or your care provider to make sure that it's something that's in your birth plan and that's accessible to you should you need it. Um, you can use this in conjunction with the shower. Can use it in conjunction with. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of places use the pool. Don't quote me on that. Um, it's been a long time since I've done a water immersion birth. I don't think they do. Don't quote me. <laughs> Check with your care provider. Um, And you can also use it in the shower. I think I said shower. Shower, massage, heat packs, TENS machine, all of those things you can use in conjunction with the gas. So there you go. (laughs) That's the gas. Um, So the way it works is it can either be portable or attached to the wall. Um, So that's where it comes really handy when you are in the shower. And um, it's got basically a little mouthpiece on it that you would suck on to get your hit of gas. Now, what we usually say is the gas works most effectively in a contraction, but the lead up too. So what you want to do, if you f- can feel a contraction coming on, midwives will usually be palpating your tummy to see um, what your contractions are doing anyway. So if you don't really know when they're coming on, um, midwives will be able to tell you. So if you feel like it's coming and the contraction's slowly building, that's when you would take a few um, really big sucks of the gas, um, breathing it all in, and then breathe it out throughout your contraction. Um, At the height of the contraction is when you want it to work. So that's why we say take a few big breaths before and then breathe it out throughout the height of your contraction. And then you can take a few sucks back in if you feel like you need to as that contraction comes back down. Um, So it's one of those things that practice makes perfect. You'll learn all about it in labor. It's not, it's really hard to explain when you're not in it because it can be difficult to understand how contractions work for you and your body. Um, So that's when, yeah, talking to your midwife will be a big thing on the day. Um, And also expressing that you're keen on having it in your birth um, plan if, it's something that you would be interested in on the day. So I think that's about all I can yarn (laughs) with regarding um, nitrous oxide. Oh, I just want to give a quick heads up to everything that I'm saying about each pain relief option is all based on the Queensland guidelines from Queensland Health. So if you're in a different state, a different country, um, whatever it may be, just be mindful that it may be different for your hospital or your care provider um, in terms of what's available to you and what they do specifically. Um, I'm trying to keep this as broad as I possibly can um, because, you know, I don't want it to be specific and I don't want people to come for me being like, they don't do that in my hospital. Like, that's fine. Um, this is just what I'm used to and it's just what I've been practicing throughout my time as a midwife. So, don't come for me if your hospital does things differently or if, you know, this seems unusual for you. Um, It's all based on Queensland health guidelines. So just make sure you're chatting with your care providers about what they offer you and what their policies and procedures are. So just wanted to give you the heads up with that. (laughs) Alrighty, so we've gone through gas and things are still starting to, you know, crack on with labor and you're wanting something a bit stronger. This is when we hit opioids. Now, Opioids are things like your morphine, your fentanyl, pethidine, that sort of thing, um, which is usually an injection that's given just under the skin and it can be really quite beneficial in um, sort of like that early active labor stage when things are starting to heat up a little bit, you're starting to get really strong contractions and um, you know things are moving pretty quickly. So we do prefer to have morphine given as opposed to pethidine due to its half-life or the reduced half-life, which you guys probably won't know much about. But basically, it has a lesser effect on you and the baby, especially when it comes to breastfeeding. So opioids do have some um, ability to interact with breast milk, but this is why we have certain protocols in place um, to give like to when, as to when we give um, opioids to make sure that there's not as much of an effect on baby um, because it does cross the placenta and it does transfer into breast milk. Whether or not um, the percentages of that, I don't have right in front of me at the moment. Um, But yeah, that's why we have protocols and procedures in place to make sure that that doesn't happen. So in saying that, If we anticipate that you're going to birth your baby between one to four hours from when we give the morphine, we will probably not give it or we'll be monitoring you pretty extensively to make sure that effects aren't going to be occurring to you and baby. So if we give morphine or whatever it may be and baby is expected to be born pretty soon, um... That can lead to respiratory depression in um, you and baby, which is one of those things that can be really quite um, confronting for mum particularly. Um, and it also reduces like, you know, obviously the amount of oxygen that's flowing. And that's one of the things we don't want to happen. Sometimes if babies are born with respiratory depression, they can need a bit of oxygen at birth. Um, And they may or may not need admission into special care nursery or NICU based on that. So that's just something to be mindful of. Um, Again, I'm not saying all of this to scare you or, um, you know, make you fear certain things. Opioids work really, really well um, in labor. They can help relax your body enough to, you know, promote that release of oxytocin which we all know is crucial in a labour and birth sense. But I'm not saying any of this to turn you off certain things. I'm not saying any of this to make you feel like you can't have it. Um, I'm simply just providing you with education so that you can make the best decision on the day. Once again, it's not medical advice. I don't know your story. Um, Your care provider may suggest something else completely different for you um, and that's okay. But again, It's just education. (laughs) So don't think that I'm talking you in or out of anything. I'm just providing you with the facts so that you can make the best decision on the day. So, I guess the benefits with taking opioids, like I said, is that really good um, ability to relax and just kind of give you a little bit of a sedatory effect. So, you'll feel quite sleepy, you'll feel quite dozy. Um, And sometimes that can be really nice, especially if you had a really long day or night or whatever it may be laboring and you just want to get a little bit of rest. This is where this can help and it actually does a really good job at relaxing you and allowing you to get some rest if that's what you need. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, there are quite a few side effects and they are both on baby and you. So for women are uh, for the mother it's usually nausea and vomiting a bit of sedation um, gives you an impaired ability to make decisions so it's as if you've had a bit of a party drug <laughs> it's the same sort of thing so if you've had a bit to drink your ability to make decisions or your ability to respond quickly to things is impaired um, you might feel a little bit silly when you take it which is the exact same as what you would if you had a had a big night on the gear or <laughs> had a few too many Um, and that's a normal side effect of this drug. So if something happens in the birth scenario and we need you to make a quick decision, it can be really quite difficult for you to respond accordingly because your ability to respond is impaired. So um, that's one of the side effects. Um, It can cause a bit of constipation, can cause you to hold on to your pee. Um, So that means that you have a bigger amount of sitting in your bladder, which can be really uncomfortable. Um, and like we said before, has that respiratory depression side effect as well, where it can slow your breathing right down. Um, and that becomes a worry because that means that there's not as much oxygen circulating your body, which means that baby subsequently has a decrease in their heart rate um, or their heart rate pattern can slow, um, which is a cause of concern for us midwives if we're monitoring that um and again at birth it can cause respiratory depression and a little bit of hypothermia which is a low temperature at birth so they're a bit a little bit cold (laughs) um so that's the bulk of the opioids if you do get a shot of opioids in your labor Your doctor will probably prescribe you with something for nausea and vomiting as well. So sometimes it can mean that you're not just getting one injection. You might get a few or you might get some stuff put through a cannula or whatever is the best option for you on the day. Um, So that's just a handy little hint. Um, But yeah, that's about all I can think of off the top of my head for opioids. Again, it does work really well at relaxing you and providing you with that, um, that rest you may need. And it's also able to help um, with those contractions as well. So again, it doesn't stop your contractions, nor does it change your labor. Um, it just simply alters the effects that it has on you. So your ability or it alters your mind, your mind frame basically. So you can cope a little bit better with the contractions and with the pain as they, as it occurs sorry, I'm really stumbly today. I get really quite stumbly when I do explain things. I think it's because I have so much going on in my mind that I'm trying to put out into words. So I do apologize if it's a really big pain in the ass to listen to. <laughs> I'm trying really hard. not. I Like pain, relief and labor excites me. I don't know why. Um, it's just one of those things that I'm passionate about. Um, and I guess passion goes into excitement and then excitement goes into me fucking mumbling and bumping and stumbling over my words. So I really am sorry if that does happen. I'm, I'm aware of it. I'm trying to slow down and fix it. Um, but yeah, I hope that that it's not too annoying to listen to. Anyway, let's get into the big guns now, which is epidurals in labor. So The best way I can describe an epidural is, I'm trying to do this without sounding scary. Basically, it's a numbing agent. So it goes into or in between your spine or the spinal cavities, I guess. Can't think of the word off the top of my head. Spinal space. (laughs) Either way. There's a needle that goes into your back, right? And once your anes oh, I can never say this word properly, anesthetist, <laughs> the doctor who provides you with pain relief, an anesthetist. Once they find the area in your spine that it needs to go into, they release the needle and it's replaced with a plastic tube, very similar to a cannula if you've ever seen one. So the needle goes, the tube remains inside you and through that tube, we feed the drugs that are responsible for your epidural effect, which is that numbness, um, basically not feeling much from the waist down or the nipples down, essentially. Um, Yeah, that's the best way I can put it. So, I guess I'll start from the very beginning because I think that'll be the best way to go about this because there's a lot of information, especially if you aren't familiar with an epidural and what happens with it. Um, so, if you request an epidural in labor or if it's something that you want, um, let your midwife know and they have to call the anaesthetist. Now, from the time that you let your midwife know, to the time that we organize the anaesthetist, let all of the relevant people know that we need to, there can be a little bit of a delay. So just be mindful of that because I know it's really quite stressful, particularly if you're in a lot of pain and you're struggling to cope with it or it's becoming a little bit too much. um, That's when you need to sort of be on top of it and let your midwife know early and just be aware that there is a bit of a delay. So If it feels like it's getting too much for you, obviously the midwife will try and speed up the process as much as she can, Um, but just try and be aware. Like I know it's so much easier said than done, but it's just one of those things that you do have to be aware of. Unfortunately, there is a bit of a delay because if midwives could give it to you straight away, they would, trust me. (laughs) If I could do it, I would do it for you. Um, But unfortunately, it's just one of those situations where we do need another person to come in and do it for us, so that can be an issue in terms of waiting and wanting immediate effect. So just be aware. So once we call the anaesthetist and once they come in and they're ready to go, we'll usually get you changed into a theatre gown or like an easily accessible gown where your back is on display because that's the area that your anaesthetist needs to work with and they want to be able to have easy access to that. Um, sometimes when you're in normal clothes, it's a little bit tricky. So either if you're comfortable or if, you know, you're happy to be naked or whatever the case may be, um, that's fine. But usually we'll give you a little gown just to give you a bit of privacy and make you feel a little bit more comfortable if that's the case. So with that, there's a little bit of preparation that goes into it as well. Just let me clear my throat so we can progress <laughs> um so the midwife will usually give you a bit of a fluid bolus so at this point you might have a cannula you might not if the anaesthetist comes in it's usually their job to give you the cannula because they're really quite good at them once the cannula is in that's when we put some fluids through um and this is with the aim of preventing your blood pressure from dropping which is a common side effect of having an epidural insertion um And that's what we try to prevent. So we'll do that. We'll keep monitoring your blood pressure constantly, pre and post, to make sure that it's stable. Because again, if it drops, that's when we have to sort of respond really quite quickly and make sure that we're able to get you back up to a normal blood pressure to keep you and baby safe and happy. So, yeah. Yeah. Constant blood pressure monitoring will also put a monitor on babies. So from here on out, once you do have an epidural, we will need to be doing um some monitoring on baby through a continuous CTG. The reason for that being is because, again, with that blood pressure drop, it's normal for babies to have a heart rate drop with that. Um, and we want to make sure that that doesn't occur for obvious reasons. Um, so you will be strapped into a monitor and you will be monitored. So usually this blood pressure monitoring goes on for a certain period of time. It's usually about five minutely post the procedure and then it goes to 15 minutes and then half an hourly from there. So every half hour, your blood pressure cuff will go off and midwives will be constantly checking over you to make sure you're okay. Um, That's just the way it is, unfortunately. And usually once you do have an epidural, that means your midwife can't leave the room. So... There has to be someone in there um, that's qualified and that has that midwifery qualification or obstetric qualification, whatever it may be, um, to keep an eye on you. So just be aware of that as well. I know it can be a real a little bit awkward when you know that you've got a stranger in the room the whole time. Um, but that's just what needs to happen. Um so we'll pop some cute little stockings on you as well to make sure that your blood circulation is happening because obviously with the epidural, if you can't move. Um, you're at risk of developing a blood clot. So we want to, you know, not have that happen <laughs> because fuck that. <laughs> so um, we pop stockings on you. They're really quite cute looking. They're not, but it's just what needs to happen. Um, and depending on your ability to pee and move yourself, we may get you up to the toilet whilst you are still able to move and etc. Some hospitals do, some don't. My hospital does. Um, We try to keep you as mobile as we can for as long as we can uh, up to a point. But if you cannot move, that's when we'll usually put in a catheter, which is a little tube that goes into your urethra to expel urine. (laughs) It's a bag full of piss, (laughs) essentially. Um, And what that does is if – so if you think about your bladder, where it's located – If you have a full bladder, babies have a lot of difficulty moving down into your pelvis if you have a full bladder. So we want to keep it empty. And that's why throughout your labor, whether you've had an epidural or not, midwives will constantly be asking you like, hey, have you gone to the toilet? Um, Make sure you go to the toilet, you know, just to keep that bladder empty and to allow that baby to really move down into that pelvis without any issues at all. another throat clear (laughs) I don't want to choke on spit like I did last time guys so I'm trying to do everything I can to prevent that so the throat clears are happening in full swing so yeah we'll do a catheter um we'll also keep an eye on how much you can feel and depending on that we'll yeah just keep an eye on it (laughs) um But I guess I should say, yeah, so once that tube gets inserted into your back, there's usually a continuous flow of drugs to keep your numbness at a maintainable level, to keep your numbness there. So it's just constantly being drip-fed through by a machine, by a pump. Um, In some cases, you may get a button which allows you to give yourself An extra amount on top of what's already being given so that you can keep on top of your pain so sometimes people just need that amount just constantly being fed through other times some other people might find that they need more that's all right because they have the option to do that some hospitals might not allow it Um, again check with your care provider but yeah, so you'll get a button, and what this does is it releases a bigger amount to keep you pain free, which is the goal of an epidural, keep you nice and numb. Now, unfortunately, with an epidural, they're not always the best at, I guess, taking away the pain completely. Some people will still say that they feel a, a lot of pressure. Um, some people may say that the epidural only works on one side. Now, midwives are usually pretty good at being able to recognize this and they can try and turn you or move you according to where the, um, the numbness is. So if you're not getting enough pain relief on one side, they'll turn you that side to see if it can run down. Um, other times we may have to get the anaesthetist back in to re it or move it around a little bit to make sure that it gets both sides evenly. This is just something to be aware of because I know a lot of people can get really thrown off when they say, oh, like, you know, I'm really, really numb on one side, but I can still feel everything else on the other side. Um, it's really quite off-putting and can be really um, uncomfortable, clearly. So they get a little bit... Um, I guess, upset when we have to call back in the to say think that something's wrong. It's not. Sometimes they just need to fix it for you and that's okay. Um, so from there on, I guess midwives will be constantly monitoring you. I've already said that. <laughs> um, and we'll also just make sure that you're comfortable and happy. So that means we'll probably be turning you constantly to make sure that we're avoiding that pressure injury issue um, or the blood clots from forming. We'll also avoid using heat packs. Um, This is because you literally can't feel it and your ability to burn is obviously increased. So we usually get rid of the heat packs. Um, What else? And Unfortunately, most of the time you will be confined to the bed. But, I say but, (laughs) depending on the density of your block and how well the epidural is working for you, some people can move. So, whether this is a little, whether this is a lot, it varies. Um, It all depends on how dense it is. So, if you're able to move yourself, or you've got a big strong partner, or um, you know midwives have plenty of people around on the day to help them. We can move you into different positions to help you. Um, I guess with labor, with pushing, whatever it may be. So discuss this with your midwife on the day, because again, different hospitals have different procedures and policies. Um, as a midwife. I know the importance of movement, and I know the importance of different positions in labor and birth. So I do try to move you if I can, or if it's something that you want, um, because again, I know the benefits of it. But um, again, this totally depends on the person. Totally depends on the density of the epidural block, and it also depends on what is you know comfortable and happy for you and your breast, uh, your breastfeeding and your birth experience. So from then on, I guess we should talk about the risks and benefits. So risks, like I said, the effectiveness of the epidural being one, I mean, the ineffectiveness, I guess. So an epidural being one-sided, your risk does increase with that um, and you can have a bit of pain with that based on which side it is. Um, Low blood pressure, like we spoke about, that risk does increase with an epidural. The duration of second stage of labor, so that pushing stage is increased simply because you can't feel it Um, or it might not be as effective because you can't work with your body to push the baby out. So usually midwives will say at the height of a contraction, when you're fully dilated and you're ready to push, push with the contractions because your body is working with you to push your baby out. Unfortunately, with an epidural, it's really difficult to feel this. And it's really difficult to get that momentum and get your baby out. So that's why, um, you know, that may, that risk is there. Um, it's also a risk of instrumental birth. Because again, you can't really feel yourself working with your body and... It's just a really difficult scenario, especially if you're laying on your back. Sometimes it's hard to open your pelvis fully so that we can get baby to come out and crown and do all of those things that they need to to be born. Um, So that's just one thing to be mindful of. Again, like I said, most midwives understand um, the importance of movement and the importance of certain positions in labor. So we will try to advocate for that and move you accordingly. But if you have a really dense block, this can be really tricky. So that's just one thing to be mindful of. Um, what else can I talk about? There is a little bit of a risk. So sometimes if the epidural is put in the wrong spot, it can cause some really debilitating headaches, um, which can occur after birth. And it may result in you needing a bit of anaesthetist intervention to sort that out, which usually comes in the form of a blood patch. Don't ask me about the procedure. I don't really know the ins and outs of it. Um, But it is possible and it is one of those complications that can arise because of an epidural. Um, And then I guess I'll go into the benefits because don't get me wrong. An epidural is really bloody good. Um, they can work really, really well for women in labor. Um, they can increase your oxytocin. They can relax you. They can provide you with the ideal birth experience if it's, you know, something that's important to you. Um, so I quite like them for lack of a better word. To be honest, I'll probably end up having an epidural in my labor and birth because, you know, why not? (laughs) But, you know, I know that's important. I I don't want people to come for me being like, oh, what about physiological birth? That's cool. But I don't really want to feel pain, (laughs) to be honest. Um, So, yeah, an epidural will probably be my choice. But the benefits are quite good. When it works well, it works really well. Um, Some people may experience one or two of the risks or some people may have, you know, not a not so good experience with epidurals and that's okay, that's normal. Um, but from what I've seen, they do work really well at providing you with that oxytocin that you need um to progress the labor. They also provide you with I guess a lot of relaxation, particularly if you have had a long labor, you're able to sleep, you're able to rest, um, which is a big thing. You know, it's all about what's important to you on the day and what will work best for you on the day so yeah that's as much as I can think of honestly I feel like this sh- should have been a longer episode but I've covered quite a bit I think <laughs> um yeah the end god I, I hope I'm getting better with this I hope you guys are actually enjoying these podcasts that's all I have to say about non farm. Uh, fuck about pharmacological labor oh my god what am i saying pharmacological birth no pain relief jesus time for me to call it quits that's for sure (laughs) um yeah i covered quite a bit in this podcast i hope you guys have enjoyed it and i hope it allows you to make the best decisions for you on the day of your labor and birth again what works for one person doesn't work for everyone, so please make sure that you're doing your research, um, you're having the convers oh, excuse me, a little bit of a burp, you're having the conversations with your midwives and your care providers to make the best decision for you and to understand what's available to you on the day. Um, again, every hospital has different policies and procedures; they also have different resources available. So please don't be afraid to have those chats with your care people. Because they are important chats to have, and having the right pain relief on the day can be hugely beneficial to your birth experience. So please keep that in mind. I hope this episode does help you to make some informed decisions. Please let me know if you are enjoying it. Um, leave a rate, review, subscribe, follow, <laughs> and you can find me on Instagram at midwife in my pocket. I am really enjoying sitting in front of a microphone and chatting with you guys. Um, You know, I've been trying to keep this as candid as possible. I've been trying to keep this as chilled and as relatable and understandable as possible. So if I'm doing a good job of that, please let me know because I thrive on the attention. I thrive on the um, positive reinforcement. So please let me know. (laughs) Love a good compliment. Um, But yeah, I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for all of your support and love. I'm sorry that this was such a rambly episode. I do apologize. I know that it, it's probably hard to listen to. Um, but nonetheless, if you've made it this far, thanks for listening. <laughs> love you guys. All right, that's going to be a hooroo from me. Bye.